Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, All right, back on the Jeff Cochran Show. Let's do this Chris Herndon deal. Now, it's Chris Harrington on the Grizzlies, Memphis, and more on 92.9's Jeff Hawkins Show. Presented by Church Health. Caring for people all around us. Give today at churchhealth.org. This seems appropriate. Chris, what are we listening to? It's Hard Times by Ray Charles. One of about a thousand songs called Hard Times. At some point, I'm going to do the Hard Times show on my other radio show. I think I can do a whole show of just songs called Hard Times. Really? What's another uh, one? Uh, Hard Times by Run DMC um, from their first album. Hard Times by Paramore. Hard Times by some blues guy whose name I'm forgetting now, Floyd somebody. Anyway, there's lots of them. Um, Hard Times. Uh, you, you got people giving up their season tickets, Chris. It, it's, it's people are down bad out there. I mean, for, for, for people, and I'm not here to tell anybody how to spend their money or not spend their money. I don't care. Um, but to like have lived through like you know the Hashim Thabit era, and then like this season when they're second in the West with two All Stars for the first time in franchise history to be the last straw. I mean, that's that's down bad. Uh, so let's just go ahead. What do you make of the Ja Morant stuff? Oh, I I think the the. The extracurricular stuff with Ja in terms of bluster, in terms of people around him making stories of themselves or making their presence known, I thought was tiresome before yesterday. And I think whatever happened or didn't happen, and no one's disputing that like there was a confrontation. There was a confrontation after the game with between friends of John Morant's who are not Grizzlies employees, by the way. And in, in Pacers player. So whatever 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 happened that's in dispute, what's not in dispute is too much. But it was too much even before that. Like in the game, the friend of John Morantz didn't just get up and like yell at a player or step across the sideline. He like walked all the way onto the floor like he was going to fight Indiana Pacers players. That dude should have been banned for the year just for that, much less what happened after the game. And I don't care. I'm not even going to say his name. People keep throwing out his name. Right. Like people are supposed to know what that means. Right. It's just some dude. I don't. You're right. not. You're not. I'm right. sorry. You're not a celebrity. You know. You're not a player or a coach. Um, so to me, like John Morant is a brilliant basketball player. He is, by all accounts, a great teammate, great father. I. I mean, the, you did it in your column. There's so much good about him. Like it's off the the charts. But like you got to rein this stuff in. I mean, for your own good, on top of anything else. Maybe it's an unfair question I asked Jeffrey. Do you have any hope that he will? Yeah, I got to think. I mean, at some point. I mean, he's 23, right? And so, like, you know, whether he will, like, in the next week, I don't, right. you know, I don't know. But like, you know, <laughs> maturity does happen. Um, but I, I got to think. 
John Morant has a chance to make a billion dollars as, as an athlete, a billion with a B, to right. quote um, Justin Timberlake in the social network. Um, between like what he's going to make on the floor with plus Nike plus everything else, he literally has a chance to have a billion dollar career. And so, like, you gotta, you know, you, you gotta be smart about that stuff, and you can't have, you know, your friends like making a spectacle of themselves all the time and causing trouble for you. Is there, these are different, there's the swagger part. I don't care about the West of the teams in the West. Right. There's the Dylan Brooks over the edge stuff, whatever. And then there's this, those are actually all separate things. The Dylan Brooks stuff, which, you know, which is an issue as well. But that's an issue that's really a basketball issue, right? It's not a, it's not a beyond, beyond the confines of the game issue. The other two things, I guess blend together they're different actually though one is saying we're, we're great at basketball we can beat your ass and one right. is saying like those are different things they feed um, into each other they to feed the extent each- that people get tired of it yeah right. especially people who are not people who are not grizzlies fans but even like a lot of grizzlies fans as you found out right. you know, are tired <laughs> right. of it there's a certain brand of fandom that is just going to be i'm down to defend no matter what happens it's just a, right. it's a contention of fandom but for a lot of people you know they're a little more um not not quite like that but you know, I, I think, like, a lot of the Morant bluster, it's not been appealing to me, but, like, who cares? Like, his right. job's not going to be appealing to me. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, like the thing is rookie season or whatever year where he was, like, calling out the fan on Twitter or who'd criticized him and right. publicly calling the guy out. <clears throat> I took a dim view of that, but, like, whatever. Who cares? Um, but the stuff, you know, when you got somebody somebody who's sitting there with your dad walking out onto the floor like he's going to fight a player during right. a game, like that's just that's just not okay. And when you have Ja having to go to ask Andrew Nimhart if he told his father to shut up, like why you know what why why are you interceding right, in right. a back and forth with T? If you, if you got a ticket, if you got a ticket sitting on the, sitting, on the, I said this after the day of traffic. If you get a ticket sitting in a game and yelling at a player, and the player tells you to shut up, like you you know. Take it, like whatever. <laughs> right, right. Like, you, you yell at them, they yell at you. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Hopefully this will uh, this will all blow over and uh, and and there will be a lesson learned here. In the meantime, they lost again last night. Right. Uh, no Stephen Adams, obviously. No Stephen Adams or John no Moran or Dylan, Dylan Brooks. Brooks. No, no whatever else. It is kind of astonishing their ability to stay in second place uh, the, the, uh, up, well, up still by two and a half, I yeah, think it is. I mean, in the they, West. they build a good cushion, and then the West, you know, the West standings. You look at it every day, and like teams move from like you know fifth to eleventh, and back and forth, and it's just all a bunch of teams clustered together playing five hundred basketball. They keep losing like this. They're gonna, they're gonna, they are, they are, they are sliding back, but they're sliding back slowly, so slowly, slowly yeah, to the yeah. back. I think you know, obviously, there's lots of issues, and and sometimes losing has a way of creating extra issues, you know, uh, psychologically. Um, I'm not, I'm still not that worked up about it. Um, in the sense that I don't think like you, I think you could look up, you come, they could come out of the all-star break with their five starters healthy. If Steven Adams is ready to go back and boom, right back at it. Um, you look at, so their last six losses, um, Steven Adams has been out for all six of those, but for the six, they've had at least one other starter out. And this is a team that I think all season is really good when they have, you know, their full complement. And they don't have, and we've been saying this from the beginning, they don't have the functional depth they had a year ago. And so the whole next man up mentality stuff just doesn't work this season. Um, and so you get a combination of having starters out plus a, a, a perimeter or a, a, the, the perimeter core of the bench has been a pretty much a total wasteland for, you know, most of right. the season, especially the last month. 
And it's just a lot of, and then, you know, and then you get this other, all this noise that probably compounds it psychologically to some degree. But, you know, they're also, a lot of these game losses have been close. And so, you know, it's like, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if you suddenly look up and they're winning seven in a row again. I, I don't think people, people have this tendency to think. one of the two best teams in the West? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I think the Golden State, the, the Curry injury is just another. Like, Curry, everyone Curry, keeps way, waiting out for knee is knee injury out for several weeks now. Yeah, people keep waiting for Golden State, myself included, to like get it together, and maybe they still will. But now that's another thing there. The Clippers have really been coming on. Um, I think it's probably good. You know, Kyrie could be good or a bad thing, but I think Kyrie with the Clippers would have worried me a little bit. Kyrie right. with the Mavs doesn't much. The Kings have been really good, but I don't think the Kings are better than the Grizzlies. I don't, you know, I, you look up and down the list, and yeah, I think you know they probably are. Again, I, I think the Warriors and the Clippers come playoff time have a chance to have a higher ceiling than the Grizzlies, but they get as many questions as the Grizzlies. I mean, the Grizzlies, yes, have been this terrible stretch, but like all the games matter, yeah. and the Grizzlies are above them in the standings by a meaningful amount. Because these are still four games up on Phoenix, for example. Right, like you know, four games. That's a yeah. that is a that is a cushion. Um, so all right. Uh, anything specific to last last I night's I think the game? big thing was the number one thing to me was the turnovers. Again, <clears throat> right. the fourth quarter, I think all five players who they ran with, you know, in the even Tyus quarter, Jones had four turnovers. All, well, all in the fourth quarter, <laughs> yeah. every single player they had on the floor had at least one bad turnover, like bad turnover. Right. Like you know, Jaron threw the ball, miscommunication, and threw the ball into the stands, and, and, and Santi tried to do one of those like rip through moves, which I don't love, and like, lost the ball and. Tyus ran over Fred Van Vliet, and Desmond Bain stepped out of bounds, and suddenly Xavier Tillman was like, let me get in my bag and show you my one-on-one moves, <laughs> and, like, traveled or ran over somebody or something, and, like, it was a mess. So I think that was a mess. So the turnovers to me was the number one thing, and then you get in, you get to this close game, and, like, you know, you don't have John Morant, and um, Bain, I think Jones, Bain, Jackson, boom, 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 one, two, three, missed shots down the stretch, and then Scotty Barnes made a couple shots, and there you go. You lose a basketball game. Uh, Toronto, between the turnovers and the rebounds, Toronto, 23 more field goal attempts than the Grizzlies yesterday. Yeah, I think without Steven Adams, like rebounding is sort of an ingrained problem. So, yeah, that was a big problem, but that's a a less controllable one. To me, the turnovers is what really killed Controllable. All right, and so now we have uh, trade deadline. It is trade deadline week. That is Thursday. Um, what's your expectation? My expectation is, and this is, this is grounding. This is, this is mostly tea leaf reading and assumptions. Um, all, you know, nine, 98% tea right. leaf reading and assumptions. My expectation is that they, that if OJ Ananobi is available and I seems like he is, they will be among the teams making offers. Um, and if they don't get a deal done, if they're not the team that gets that deal done, assuming that any team gets a deal done, I doubt they do anything else. So my assumption is Ananobi or nothing. That is my assumption. There is, by the way, a, a narrative out there. I, I hear it from people. I read it in some in a, on a blog, whatever, that the Grizzlies are so enamored of their first-round picks that they won't give them up, and they're holding on them to— I think there's a very, yeah. I, I just don't believe that. I don't. I, I don't no. believe it. I think it's possible that they won't give up their first round picks because they don't win the deal or because he's not available to deal. Right. But I 100 percent believe that if OG Ananobi is on the table, they are offering some of their some some collection of their first for future first round picks. Don't yes. you? No, I assume that. I assume yeah, that. I assume that. Of course. That's my assumption. Now, now, 
do they make the best offer? You know, or if it, you know, right. I don't probably not. Right? right. I mean, you always take take the field, but <clears throat> but my assumption is that they they if 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 available to do, they would try to do that. Um, I'm sure there's a limit on what they're willing to try to do. And I, I don't think, I mean, I'm, there's other things I would do beyond that, that I'm not convinced they're, that they, they're going to try to do. I'm going to get to those in a second. Uh, one of the issues they have to grapple with is Dylan Brooks. Right. Um, there had been this, I think before the season began, you were saying they have to figure out if Dylan's willing to come back or not before the trade deadline because he can't let him walk. And then I don't, that kind of went away. Like it was... It was, yeah, you're just going to keep Dylan this rest this year because you need him this year, and maybe there's an well, assumption. That, my where, where my working assumption uh-huh. is that they were just going to re-sign Dylan Brooks this summer. Right. By the way, that's still my working assumption, but it's a, it's a it's a, it's an assumption that's been complicated, you know, okay. by, by recent activities. So do but, they have to know what they're? Do they have to have a sense of whether he will re-sign by Thursday, and if if not, get rid of him? Or I don't something? think. I don't think. I don't think that's quite. That's not specifically the right question. Like you said, will he resign? Yeah, he'll resign if you put the right money on the right, table. Right. The question is, are the, do they want to re? What do they think it will take to resign him, and are they willing right. to pay that? I don't think I don't think Dylan Brooks is going to look up and say, "I'm I'm out of here." Right. Uh, in the abs- if if the good offers on the table from the Grizzlies, right. so I don't. To me, that's not even an issue. It's the issue of do the Grizzlies want to pay? What do they think they have to pay, and do they want to pay it? What happens if the Grizzlies this week have concluded? He's going to be, want more than we are willing to pay. Let's say that's their conc- – they, Well, they, it's not just about what he wants. It's about what he can get elsewhere. Okay. He is going to get more right. than, than we are willing to pay. And therefore, we think he the likelihood is this summer he is going to leave. Let's say that is what they conclude. Is there something that follows from that that have to happen this week? Or do they, they still I, need him for the playoffs? Well, I mean, I think, you know – I think he could be included in an Ananobi trade in that, yes. in that circumstance. Do I think they would just trade him for a future first-round pick and, and then, like, next man up, Zaire? What? No, that's what I don't think they're going right. to do, right? And so at that point, I think they would just say, well, we're going to take the risk, and we'll see. But it won't be – I don't think it'll be – with Kyle Anderson, it was – I think they knew we're just not right. resigning Kyle Anderson. Right. He's going to walk. I think even in that circumstance, it would be, well, we'll just let it go into the summer and we'll hope that, you know – the market takes a different turn, right. or we can find a trade, a sign and trade, or something, and we'll see. We'll just deal with it in the summer. I don't think it'll be a we know we're losing him. Let's say OG's not traded at all. They decide they want to keep him. Okay. Right. And so the good that deal's not available. And so the Grizzlies keep him and then he walks in the summer. Is that a failure on the part of the Grizzlies? Uh yeah. I mean it, it's it will unless they have a really good backup plan. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think but a failure suggests there's something else they could have done, and I'm not sure that there is in that circumstance other than trade him for a future first. Well, I mean, have, it, would, it would be a failure in the sense that you haven't developed someone ready to step okay. in. You yes. know, I mean, you have to – to me, this team – this is sort of what I wrote about on Friday or whatever, which may be a little bit more complicated, you know. But this team has to be about not just trying to go as far as they can this season, but trying to go as far as they can next season and the year after and the year after. And that's a complicated thing to weigh sort of both. You're not in a rebuild anymore – but you're not in a scorched earth. Tomorrow doesn't matter. Only today matters. It's a real, right. it's a complicated thing. And so, to me, they have to they have to they have to try to maximize this season. Not maximize, but put themselves in good position as they can reasonably this season. But also be cognizant of doing that for next season as well. And so, if if Dylan Brooks walks this summer and you don't have a mechanism via trade free agency or internal development to adequately replace what he gives you, then that right. is some, some level of failure of team building. Right. Yes. Okay. That, yeah, that. Um, is, 
I, 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 I had a – oh, here's, a, here's what I was going to ask you. Isn't there something they could do short of OG Ananobi? Either he's not traded or someone else blows him out of the water and they, they can't match it. To improve the, the depth and the wing uh, capabilities of this team at the margins. Yeah. I mean, that, that's to me, I would be – my thing is I think Danny Green made a couple threes last night. Great for him. I think Danny Green can help them this season, but only a little bit. I, I don't trust it. I don't trust him playing 25 minutes a game every game in the playoffs and being good. I just – I'm worried about the cap on what he's going to mean, and I think he helps you zero next season because I don't think he'll be here next season. And so to me, even if I can't get an, an, an Ananobi deal done, at a minimum I'm pairing Danny Green with my 2023 first-round pick and seeing like what I can get out of that. Now, at some level, I'm not saying you trade that just to trade it if you can't get anything, but right. I, w- I would actively be looking to see what I can do with won't? that. Um, I think that they like Danny. I think they're higher on the having Danny Green um, than maybe I, from a distance, I think they should be. I'm not internal, but, um, you know, Danny Green said, it's funny, Green said on media day, like, you know, he was going to, like, you know, get, the, get these guys to talk a little less and do all this. And, like, <laughs> how's that gone, right? You know? <laughs> And so not, not to discount the veteran influence, but, like, you know, the results are the results, right? The pizzas come out of the oven on that. Right. Um, I, I just think that they should not only worry about this season, but also about next season. And I think if you if you have the ability with that expiring contract to do something that will help you both now and next season, you should do that because I don't think it's going to help you at all beyond this season. And so that's sort of where I'm at on it. I like the and I don't think your 2023 draft pick is likely to help you next. This is sort of what I wrote about today is like to me they're different iter- or yeah or friday different iterations of this franchise in, in, in this competitive era and the one right now is sort of rooted in steven adams and so like i want to try to take a chance to win a title like you know of the, the next three seasons when he's my starting center because after that i'm going to change i'm going to switch up my team anyway so not only is danny green not going to help you beyond one of those three seasons at most your 2023 draft pick unless you hit right. something immediate like desmond bain it's not going to help you in those three seasons either so malik beasley would be one of yours uh, on yeah, that, on and I, I wonder. I, I he's had off court stuff in the past, and I haven't really written about that because uh, to me right. like, that's something that internally they would have to judge, and I can't judge it from afar. But I do wonder, given all the mess all recently, if that would make that them more sensitive. Anyone else on that list? Shopping list. I've come around more to the Alex Caruso idea. I, I had mentioned him a month ago, but I wasn't as big on it. That that's Matt Herlick's favorite you defense, but not he shooting. He is not a scorer. He he's a good shooter percentage-wise, sort of like Conchar, but right. not really a scorer. And to me, my, I was sort of low on that because, like, you know, you already have Tyus Jones and Dylan Brooks. He basically does the same right. kind of stuff as them. But, like, maybe, like, those guys aren't always reliable every game. <laughs> right. And plus, like, you just need veterans who can soak up minutes, right? And, you know, instead of Zaire Williams and David Roddy and Jake LaRavia right now, John Conchar. So I've come around to that idea. I like the way Anthony Sane put it the other day. He said... I'm sick of watching sorry dudes, is <laughs> what he said. Right. And right now, they're not going to always be sorry dudes, but right now, as players on a number two team, they are sorry dudes, a lot of these guys. Um, so, thoughts on Kyrie Irving trade? I wouldn't want anything to do with that guy. And I acknowledge he's an extremely talented offensive player, and in short bursts, it can work. And maybe you get the short burst at just the right time. And so Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, if they can figure it out and you get like a few weeks of good Kyrie Irving, who knows, right? That team was in the conference finals last year and they didn't have much around Luka and now they got this. Now right. they got Kyrie Irving. I just wouldn't want to be in the Kyrie Irving business. And I like Dorian Finney-Smith. I mean, he's a role player, but he's like a really good role player. Right. So I think they gave up 
you know, Dinwiddie and Smith and a first-round pick, they gave up some real stuff to, to take a, a roll the dice on a dude who I just wouldn't want to deal with. He would not. If they if if the Grizzlies end up playing them in the in the playoffs, we didn't like it anyway because of Luca, right? Like, you know, and because the matchup hasn't been good, whatever. But um, it, it 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 doesn't. You don't think well, raises their ceiling particularly this year? Again, it defensively might. they're hideous. If, if they get, you know, the good burst of Kyrie Irving at just the right time, yeah, who knows? All bets are off. And and if you think about the Grizzlies, Grizzlies are going to play them. I think three times. They still have only played Mavericks once this season. You know, as much as people down on Dylan Brooks, like, think about defending that team, right? You, you, <laughs> right. I mean, you, you want a second Dylan Brooks, which you don't have, like, much less, you know, the one. I mean, who, you know, who's guarding who there? Um, Hollinger's, I read Hollinger on this, and his... his I, have, I have not read him yet. His, well, I read him, he wrote about destinations in advance, and, and his point with Dallas was, Kyrie has a proven history of players who don't want to play with Kyrie, and so why would you risk that with Luca? That's the long term thing. Like maybe you get maybe you get this burst <laughs> right. this spring and you make a run, but if he does what right. James Harden does and says, "I want no part of this," let me get the hell out of right. here. Why would you w- risk having a you know screwing things up? Um, I think Dallas has hit a desperate spot. They've hit the desperate spot. You know, we've seen teams do this before, like, you know, the Pelicans with Anthony Davis when they traded for DeMarcus Cousins. You try to build a team around this superstar and you fail to do it, right. and then you reach a desperate point, right? right? And that's the thing that the Grizzlies, you know, you never know what the future holds, but to this point, the Grizzlies have, have dodged that because they got they had already had Jaron and they get Desmond Bain and, like, you have a real team. Uh, okay, and what do you think it does for the Nets? Yeah, there's some thought that they might, package some of this and and do something else. I don't believe that it, it, it no one seems to think that, that Kevin Durant is going to ask for a trade by the trade deadline, but right. he may reevaluate this summer. Yeah, I wonder if teams if teams will anticipate Durant being available this summer and that will color including Toronto by the way, or other teams may trade for Ananobi or Toronto whatever or the Grizzlies, which I doubt, but whatever. Right. I, you wonder if that if if the prospect of Durant being available this summer will have a cooling effect on the trade market now. Interesting. And then the but the other part of that is, and I saw some speculation of like you know, uh, the Nets could, should package this stuff and rewrite it and try to get OG Ananobi. But then I saw another thing that seemed a little bit slightly more sourced about maybe they're going to do that for Fred Van Vliet, which to me makes more sense because if you look at their team. You've already, Dorian Finney-Smith is sort of like somewhat slightly lesser OG Ananobi, right? right? So if you have Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal and Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons and TJ Warren, you just you get to be four ones already. Right. So them like packaging some of this stuff to try to go get Fred Van Vliet, I think actually does make okay. a lot of sense for them. Uh, last question, Grammys last night. Do you watch the Grammys? Do you care about the Grammys? No, I mean, I had a family event last night, which is why I wasn't at the Grizzlies game. So when I got home at 930, I watched the Grizzlies game. And so I saw okay. none of the Grammys. Uh, but you wrote about Jim Stewart uh, yeah. late last week, and I missed this. Uh, you wrote about Jim Stewart, um, who got a... Uh, Trustees Award. It's like a lifetime award. achievement. It's basically a lifetime achievement award for non-performers. You talked to his family. Right. Jim is no longer with us. Jim um, Stewart is the ST in Stacks. He's the founder yeah. of Stacks Records. Who is Jim? What? What? what, what t- tell me about Jim Stewart. So Jim Stewart was a guy who was a country fiddle player and a banker. Banker's like a bank clerk or a bank mm-hmm. manager or something. Union Planners Bank. Back in the mid fifties, like so many Memphians, and was inspired by Sam Phillips to try to get into the music business. It started a little label in the late 50s called Satellite Records that over the course of two or three years um, evolved into Stax Records in South Memphis. And instead of being a country label, was a soul label and became, you know, second okay. to Motown or co-equal with Motown, the greatest soul label of the era. And Jim Stewart, you know, he was the founder of that. 
He was the ST, and then his sister was sister the, is now Axton, who 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 invested early, became the. So that's how the word the Stacks AX. came uh-huh. from. Um, and when and when Stacks went, he had most he mostly cashed out in the late sixties, early seventies through various business dealings. He mostly cashed out. He had some huge estate in North Memphis and had all this money and. And then Stacks started to have some serious financial problems in the mid-70s. He basically put his own personal fortune up as collateral to cover their debt, and it cost him basically everything. And so, you know, Stacks went bankrupt in the mid-70s, and then, but it still trickled out. by. And so in 1981, his house got foreclosed, and his family got evicted, wow. and they lost everything. And so his kids had never, his kids are now in the 50s and 60s, they'd never, as far as I know, never talked to anybody about anything. And it was kind of hard to draw out of them, but I think I got some good stuff. And so it's just sort of about, you know, the growing up in that family, like one of his daughters who was five at the time tells the story of like the Christmas party where Janis Joplin came to town. And and Janis Joplin is pouring ashes onto her mother, a drunk, and pouring pouring ashes onto her mother's new um, dining room table and as the five year old going to t- tattletale on Janice Joplin <laughs> to her mother and the son tells about you know he wake Otis Redding would come to town and stay in the guest house He'd they get, loved Otis Redding yeah his dad was very close to Otis and and then in his post Stacks life he just led a very quiet life he basically just they ended up moving to this house in Bartlett and he basically spent all this time like you know piddling as one of his daughters said around the house and ignoring uh, avoiding the spotlight and so, so why now what was the well, the why, why he got yeah. the trustees award is a good question, and I did ask some people about that and didn't get any good answers. I left it out. I just said it was curious to me that it took so long for him to get this. Yeah. Um, but he did get it, and the family went out there to accept it in his honor, and we, I sort of talked to them about his life, and uh, I thought it was interesting. You can read that piece in The Daily Memphian. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Thanks. Chris Harrington from The Daily Memphian. I'll tell you right now, this year the only nap, app you need at the Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And by the way, they can say Super Bowl because official betting partner of the NFL. If you download FanDuel now, use promo code Calkins, C-A-L-K-I-N-S, you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You can bet on uh, the money line, point spreads, who's going to score touchdowns, all of this. And again, if your first bet doesn't win, up to $3,000 back in bonus bets. All you got to do is download the app and use promo code Calkins, C-A-L-K-I-N-S, C-A-L-K-I-N-S. Must be 21 or older, present Tennessee. First online real money wager, only $10 first deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions supply. See terms at sportsbook.com. FanDuel.com, gambling problem, call Tennessee, red line 1-800-889-9789. All right, we have not even mentioned the Memphis Tigers. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.